At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. If America is saved, if Joe Biden is reelected, if Trump goes to jail, it will turn out that the process began late on a San Francisco night in November 2023 when Biden specifically and explicitly tied Donald Trump to the Nazis. In just the last few days, the president said to several thousand at a DNC fundraiser, Trump has said if he returns to office, he's going to go after all those who oppose him and wipe out what he called the vermin, quote, the vermin in America. A specific phrase with a specific meaning. It echoes language you heard in Nazi Germany in the 30s. The president of the United States continued, and it isn't even the first time. Trump also recently talked about, quote, the blood of America is being poisoned. The blood of America is being poisoned. Again, echoes the same phrases used in Nazi Germany. Folks, we can't fail. We can't fail to treat the threat that he poses. I mean, we can't. And with that, the president's recent reluctance to acknowledge Trump's evil, to acknowledge the fact that he is America's Hitler, came to an abrupt end. There is no video or audio of what President Biden said. Not yet, anyway. It was a fundraiser, technically off the record, though a pool reporter is admitted, and that's where we got the quotes from. Besides which, there was Biden's meeting with President Xi of China and thousands of Middle East war protesters on the streets outside the fundraiser and the TV cameras would have gone there anyway, even though, frankly, our role in the Middle East, even as hostage negotiator, and our role in China is meaningless if we become a dictatorship in January 2025. But there's no video. 
So there was no network news coverage of it, and thus the big newspapers were able to bury it, which they were no doubt glad to do because it is much easier to pretend that one of the candidates for president is not Hitler than to go out on a limb as they had to go out on a limb Monday and Tuesday because the candidate keeps shouting, yes, I am. I am Hitler. Listen to me. Quote Hitler. But make no mistake about why Joe Biden said what he said where he said it, A. Eh? It's the truth, and it pisses him off, and we need him pissed off at Trump. B, fundraisers that are not recorded are the perfect place to see what happens when you say something big and important, and not everybody on your team is convinced you should say it. Biden said it quoted Trump on going after opponents, quoted Trump essentially quoting Hitler about vermin, quoted Trump essentially quoting Hitler about the blood of a nation, said Nazi Germany twice, and the world did not end, and half a dozen Democratic moderates did not endorse Marianne Williamson, and David Axelrod didn't say an effing word. And now, to make the campaign commercials, and now, to invoke Trump and his Nazism in every speech. And now to make the last leap and make this into what it should be made into, that Trump is not just echoing Nazi Germany in the 30s, and he's not just using the language or the phrases of the Nazis, that Trump is emulating Adolf Hitler, that Trump is channeling Adolf Hitler, that Trump for all intents and purposes is our Adolf Hitler. This has merits besides the essential fact that it is true and that those who are willing to say it are trusting their own integrity and testing the integrity of those who hear these terrible truths. Those other merits are political. As pundit after pundit has written Biden off and poll after poll has not shown him having clinched victory already, I have yet to hear anyone even postulate what I think happens to be true, that if the tepid response from Democrats reflected in the polls is correct, much of it, maybe nearly all of it, is because Democrats already know Trump is Hitler. Democrats already know he plans a reign of terror if he regains power. Democrats already know that the 2024 election is life and death for the United States of America. And Democrats want their president to get up there every day and kick the living shit out of Trump. And I'll note here that if Americans understanding that the economy is finally healing from COVID continues to be as slow as it has been thus far, Bidenomics is not going to win him re-election. And as I have screamed about before, if the ad campaign is the proof of performance kind, how many great things Joe Biden has done, the greatest of these remains beating Trump running on the life or death of the state platform rather than any of the other possibilities isn't just the truest option, the most energizing option, and the best option. It may actually be the only option. Do you think Abraham Lincoln ran in 1864 on the economy? I confess that in 2020, I was uncertain what would happen when Joe Biden faced Trump in the debates. And then he got up and with restraint and with more disgust than rage, but with toughness 
and actual guts and not the kind of guts Trump sprays on his face every morning along with his fake tan, Joe Biden got to the debate stage and each time he put a metaphorical hole through Trump. And that is what energized the base. And that is what led to the decisive victory. And that is why today, wherever else we are and whatever other nightmares we face, we are not dealing today with the second term of a Trump presidency. And at this point of the second term of a Trump presidency, he would have already explained to America that he was going for a third term. And if you didn't like it or the Constitution said he couldn't, your only other choice was he just invoked the Insurrection Act and not hold a 2024 election. And every one of those feckless, gutless, unpatriotic Republican whores would have acquiesced to the end of democracy in this country. That is where we would be today if Joe Biden hadn't kicked the shit out of Dementia J. Trump in 2020. That's where we would be today if Joe Biden didn't do what some of his campaign advisors warned him not to do in 2020, which was to confront Trump's evil face to face. Well, it is time to do it again. And the speech to the donors in San Francisco was a good start, a successful trial balloon. And now the president must raise the temperature as rapidly as he thinks best, a degree at a time or all at once if he wants, because he also told that audience about Trump's embrace of political violence. He also invoked Trump's thirst for revenge. He also invoked his thirst for retribution. He hung the overturning of Roe v. Wade around Trump's neck. He cited the Republicans' electoral failures under his iron thumb. He compared him to Herbert Hoover. He called him a loser. And the two references by name to the Nazis. And he summed it up. Quote, there's a lot of reasons to be against Donald Trump, but damn, he shouldn't be president. Workshop that. There's a campaign slogan in there somewhere, my friend. Maybe, God damn, Trump shouldn't be president. Or, Jesus Christ, Trump shouldn't be president. Or my choice. There's a lot of reasons to be against Donald Trump because, damn, Hitler shouldn't be president. I bash Axios.com every day here. Truth be told, probably not enough. But it gave a good and serious account of Biden's San Francisco invoking of Trump the Nazi, which then virtually fell off its front page by the middle of the afternoon. Still up on Politico's front page, meanwhile, there is the remarkably bad deep dive on how Biden can still turn it around by Jonathan Martin, who used to be taken seriously. Jonathan Martin takes 12 paragraphs to get to his little afterthought that Trump, quote, is an exiled strongman who's taken over a traditional political party and is attempting to reclaim office to consolidate power and punish his enemies with little regard for the Constitution. Just ask him. And then he finally gets around to if Biden thinks the country is on the line, he should act like it. A beautiful summary. And then just as quickly, after literally just that one sentence, if Biden thinks the country is on the line, he should act like it. 
Literally after just that one sentence, when you think, oh, here comes the stuff about calling Trump out day after day, hour after hour in ever more dire and knife edged words like fascist and Nazi and Hitler, we find out what Politico's Martin thinks Biden has to change to save representative government in this country. He has to stop, quote, calling David Axelrod a prick, unquote. Calling David Axelrod a prick as a person who has heard Biden use the word, says he does in private, is not a strategy to win 270 electoral votes. Oh, there goes my campaign in 28. I had the banners already printed up. Then Martin complains about PG versions of the same animus and litigating polling and not doing enough to court Dean Phillips. And why isn't Rahm Emanuel running this campaign? What about the roles of... Mike Donnellan and Jennifer O'Malley Dillon and Ron Klain and my God, how many voters knew how any of those people are? The ones who know who David Axelrod was are saying, hey, you know what? David Axelrod <laughs> is a prick. Good call, Joe. And the point of a deep name dropping dive like this one in Politico should be the writer concluding you know where Biden has screwed up and needs to fix it? He shouldn't have called David Axelrod a prick. He should have called Donald Trump a prick. The other headlines in what is probably a coincidence of timing, but is still a delicious one nonetheless. In the wake of the treason charges in Ukraine against the three primary sources of the smearing of Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden has filed a motion to the Delaware court hearing his case to subpoena Bill Barr and his former aides Richard Donahue and Jeffrey Rosen and a guy named Trump. The premise is that the DOJ guys used Giuliani's evidence, which we now know came from accused Russian spies, and that Trump personally pressured DOJ to prosecute Hunter Biden, which, of course, is what Trump just threatened to do in a second term to everybody who opposes him. It was Clarence Darrow who might have been thinking of the Hunter Biden case when he observed that nothing is funnier than the fishermen being pulled into the lake by the fish. America's leading expert on parking lot law, Alina Haba, has filed for a mistrial in the New York City Trump fraud case. Watch for Judge Arthur Engeron's reaction to this one. You may recall there is a gag order against Trump and his attorneys preventing them from any public comment about courtroom staff. The mistrial motion is pretty much about nothing except courtroom staff. Specifically, the court clerk, the one Trump doxed, the one Trump claimed was running the trial, the one Trump insisted was Chuck Schumer's girlfriend. She is cited by name eight times in the Trump motion. The title principal law clerk is used 44 times. Engeron warned the attorneys against doing things like this. So I'd say we have a one or two percent chance of seeing Alina Haba jailed for contempt. In Atlanta, the lawyer for Trump co-defendant Misty Hampton, who was accused in the scheme to illegally break into the voting machines in Coffee County, Georgia, says he, the attorney, leaked some of those proffer videos 
And Fonnie Willis has asked the court to revoke the bail of Trump co-defendant Harrison Floyd, who took the tweets with the clips of those proffer videos and subtweeted them with the intent, according to Willis, to intimidate other witnesses and to obstruct justice. And Willis and the defendants compromised on a protective order that would have sealed basically every witness comment or testimony or proffer and reduced it to just sealing those parts of those comments that might be sensitive, whatever the hell sensitive means. And closing arguments in the Colorado 14th Amendment disqualification case. Trump's lawyer, not the parking lot one, the the former favorite for the nomination for governor of Colorado who, who washed out, that one. He said the decisions from Minnesota and Michigan on the 14th Amendment showed a developing national consensus on the issue, provided the nation consists of two states. I think I now know why he washed out. The Trump side also said he should not be disqualified because that would deny his voters the chance to vote for their favorite. The judge can rule within 48 hours or more, and her name does not include the name of a famous American actor. By the way, on the last point about voting for your favorite and having that right denied, uh, can I just state I'd like to vote for Abraham Lincoln? And by that logic, doesn't he have to be on the ballot too? Also of interest here, the FBI director testifies to the House of Representatives and one Republican focuses in on the real truth, the smoking gun from the January 6th attempted coup. Ghost buses. Ghost buses, says the FBI director. It's a common phrase, says the congressman. Ghost buses, says the FBI director. And then, suddenly, Ray Parker Jr. appears and says, Oh, Nancy! If there's something parked at your insurrection, who you gonna call? Ghostbusters! Thank you, Nancy Faust! That's next. This is Countdown. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, Dateline, Cleveland, Ohio. Well, there it is. Baseball's Cleveland Guardians have essentially fired one of their top pitchers because the cable TV sports market has collapsed. I told you so. Guardians president Chris Antonetti says the team designated the pitcher Cal Quantrill for assignment to save the five and a half million dollars or more that it would have had to pay him next year, in part because of the, quote, financial uncertainty over Bally Sports TV going belly up. Cleveland's entire team payroll last year was eighty nine million dollars. Its income just from Bally TV was supposed to be fifty five million it does not know how much of that it will wind up getting. Other former Bally's teams, the Padres are having a fire sale, the Twins are reducing, they may also have to make similar draconian personnel decisions. Baseball, basketball, and hockey could face genuine financial crisis, the likes of which we have not seen since several NBA teams nearly went out of business in 1982. Well, sports, it was nice while it lasted. That is, while the TV money lasted. Dateline Brooklyn. It's hard to know if this was serious or satire, so I'll just read it to you and let you decide. It is supposedly off Reddit, and it was posted as a screenshot on Twitter, and it's either pure evil or pure genius. From a user called NBA Circle, etc. Should the Brooklyn Nets kill five of their players to trigger a disaster draft to improve their roster? Continue the quote. The NBA disaster draft is a contingency plan to be used when five or more players on a team have died or have been dismembered. In the draft, the team whose players died will be able to draft the amount of players from other teams equivalent to how many they had lost. 
Other teams, though, are only allowed to protect five players from being drafted, but many teams have good sixth men that are available. With the Nets having bad contracts on underperforming, such as Ben Simmons, but they could also just kill two-way players and bench warmers to fill out those five kills to get the disaster draft. Also, according to Bill Simmons, the team would also get the first pick in next year's draft. Now, this next draft class is weak, so I could understand their hesitancy, and being a repeat offender, that is, killing five players on your team on two separate occasions, could raise some eyebrows, but this could still greatly improve them. No doubt killing your players with bad contracts and then killing your bench warmers for six men would generally improve them and many other teams. What do you guys think and should any other teams do this and who should they kill? End quote. Now, again, this is either the greatest satire of the mindless sports fan that I have ever read, or it's the greatest example of the mindless sports fan I have ever read. I am praying it is the first and not the second. Otherwise, we're talking about someone who wants to see a real-life version of the ending to the movie Network, where to get out of the contract with the anchor who had the bad ratings, they have him assassinated. Or, more seriously, it would be a repeat of the career of tennis great Monica Seles, who was stabbed by a crazed fan of her rival, Steffi Groff. on Countdown. If you missed it yesterday, Rudy Giuliani is in new trouble. His three sources in Ukraine for that Hunter Biden dirt, well, they've just been indicted there on charges of treason because they're actually Russian spies. And the Hunter Biden dirt is not only not real, it was also provided by the Russian military disinformation program. And Rudy bought it. So people are again asking, when did Rudy Giuliani go nuts? My first answer to that is May 28, 1944, the day he was born. Now, I'm just guessing about that, but I can personally verify that he was already kind of nuts in 1995 or 1996. That was the day when Rudy Giuliani invited me over to his office, to the mayor's office at City Hall in New York, in things I promise not to tell coming up. First, time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world, and prefacing this with the fact that I, I like to try to use new stories that you haven't heard before. So the fact that Elon Musk proved again yesterday he's an anti-Semite doesn't make the list here. If you didn't hear, Musk was responding to a guy who tweeted something that matched almost word for word the diseased credo of the man who had shot up the Pittsburgh temple about how Jewish communities, something, 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 hatred against whites. Musk's reply to that was, quote, you have said the actual truth. Let's just accept this as the actual truth about Elon Musk and stop being surprised by it. Instead, here are surprises. Worse, 
Brianna Keeler of CNN and her special guest Joe Lieberman of this latest Trump stalking horse group, No Labels. Yes, Brianna Keeler was the first CNN anchor to try to suck up to her new conservative bosses by going conservative on the air. She's still at it, even though they've demoted her once already. I'm not going to call what she did an interview with Joe Lieberman because she just let Lieberman come on and explain how there was no way that no labels would throw the election to Trump. And then she asked such probing follow-up questions as, "Uh uh-huh. After years of just letting her get away with basically applying as much journalistic skill as would a blow-up doll, CNN has to do something about Brianna Keeler. Worser, speaking of Trump stalking horses, thank God none of them are smart enough to actually keep it a secret, like Dean Phillips, the Minnesota congressional, quote, Democrat, unquote, who just happens to have accepted donations from Harlan Crow, owner and operator of Justice Clarence Thomas. If there's any more of the secret to still keep to himself, Dean Phillips has just given that away, too. He tweeted an article complimenting his own chances of beating Joe Biden in a primary debate. The article that Dean Phillips, a Democrat, got and tweeted is from the Washington Examiner, an ultra-right-wing, almost QAnon-level newspaper. And the Examiner's money quote, that quote, Democrat, unquote, Dean Phillips pulled out and put into his tweet is, quote, If Biden debates Phillips, Dean will be the Democrat nominee and he will be considerably more difficult for Trump to defeat than Biden, unquote. And that unqualified support and endorsement of Dean Phillips instead of the incumbent president of the United States for the Democratic nomination was from noted Democrat Matt Gates. Oh, right. Gates is that lunatic fascist Republican from Florida. It seems to me that if you run for the Democratic nomination for anything and you are not actually a Democrat, you should at least be liable to be sued by voters for monetary damages for fraud. In which case, Representative Dean Phillips should save time right now and just declare bankruptcy. But our winners, two other Congress people, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Claire Higgins of Louisiana. As a devoted listener, you will probably have noticed that I have struggled to find an apt set of new middle names for Ms. Green. Marjorie Trader Green, Marjorie Trailer Park Green, Marjorie Barney Rubble Green. But ultimately, I think maybe simple and honest is better. She was trying to bully FBI Director Christopher Wray at a hearing. And I'm not a Christopher Ray fan or anything, but she held up a blow-up of some texts and a Fox News story about something, and she tried to play gotcha with them with Christopher Ray. And that's when Christopher Ray confirmed it. This woman is really just Marjorie Moron Green, isn't she? Were you aware of this? Uh, uh, Congresswoman, as I said, I haven't seen the photos that you're holding up uh, before. Maybe, well, I posted them on my Twitter account. It's, it's public. You know, maybe I don't you guys spend are, a lot of time on Twitter. Well, you know, you, you sh- oh, I'm sure you do, because the Department of Homeland Security, organized with other offices, has censored many Americans, including myself. I'm not me- part of the Department of Homeland Security. Marjorie Moron Green, who doesn't know the FBI, isn't part of the Department of Homeland Security. Marjorie hoist on her own petard, Green? I just can't decide. So many choices. Speaking of which, there was more to come for poor FBI Director Ray. He was then grilled by Louisiana Congressman Clay Higgins, who has the intelligence of a New Orleans oyster. A spoiled New Orleans oyster, 
If you are asking whether the violence at the Capitol on January 6th was part of some operation orchestrated by FBI sources and or agents, the answer is emphatically You're saying not. no? No. You're saying no? Not okay. violence orchestrated Let's by FBI on. sources or agents. Are you familiar with, with, you know what a ghost vehicle is? Director, director of the FBI certainly should. You know what a ghost bus is? A ghost bus? Ghost bus. I'm not sure I've used that term before. Okay. Well, it's pretty common in, in law enforcement. It's a, it's a vehicle that's that's used for secret purposes. It's painted over. These two buses in the middle here, they were the first to arrive at Union Station on January 6th, 0500. I have all this evidence. I'm showing you a tip of this iceberg. Mr. Chairman. These two buses Mr. are Chairman. painted completely white. These buses are nefarious in nature and were filled with FBI informants dressed as Trump supporters you, and deployed you, onto our Capitol on January 6th. You made, Your you day is your, coming, you Mr. Ray. I think you mean ghost bus tur, Mr. Higgins. Marjorie Taylor Greene and Clay Higgins. I can't decide on Higgins. Does he sound more like a bad impression of John Candy in the Oliver Stone movie JFK or a bad impression of Kevin Bacon in the Oliver Stone movie JFK? You handsome man, Mr. Christopher Ray. Today's waste poisons in the world. If there's something parked at your insurrection, who you gonna call? Nancy Faust. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Rudy Giuliani again. In things I promised not to tell. I hear this question about Rudy Giuliani a lot. When did his life go so horribly, horribly wrong? Here was America's mayor, the rock, in the hours of crisis after 9-11. What is he now? After literally years of trying to sell the Hunter Biden laptop story, who does the Hunter Biden laptop story bite? Him. Four seasons gardening. The mascara running down his face, gaseous emissions at phony election hearings, the Sasha Baron Cohen film. I mean, even back then, I thought it was nuts that people actually thought Rudy Giuliani was the frontrunner for the 2008 Republican presidential nomination, while he was widely held to be just that in 2006 and 2007. And by the time it happened. He was already on his way to spending millions of dollars to finish last. But it was the final nail in the coffin in which he still lives. At a Democratic debate in 2007, October 30th, before the field shook out everybody but Obama and Hillary, one of the other candidates was excoriating the Republicans and their exploitation of terrorism and the Al-Qaeda attacks. And that other candidate said of Giuliani, quote, There's only three things he mentions in a sentence, a noun, a verb, and 9-11. The candidate was Joe Biden. The phrase, a noun, a verb, and 9-11 ended Rudy Giuliani's career, and Giuliani's dislike of Joe Biden, many decades old, turned to hatred at that exact moment, which is why we got to where we got to in 2020. That was also the exact moment at which any hopes Giuliani had of being elected anything anywhere ever again vanished. But it was clear to me as far back as September 2001 that sadly what we saw at that time was a bad man having a few good days. Before that month was out, Giuliani's response to the attack on democracy was to himself attack democracy, to propose that the November election to choose his successor to be mayor of New York should be postponed, or that at least he should stay on for a few months as co-mayor, because he was irreplaceable. There had always been more subtle hints Giuliani was never a good man, just a slightly smarter one, a more devious one. The venomous Rudy, the scheming Rudy, the amoral Rudy, the Rudy with a bad song in his heart, leaked out from time to time and often inside the world of sports, which is where I met him. You will remember, Rudy Giuliani was a professional New York Yankees fan. He always went to the games for free, mind you, dugout seats for himself, his wife, his other wife, his next wife, the kids, the friends. When I still had friends at Yankee Stadium, they estimated Rudy used to cost them thousands of dollars every time he showed up. He always left via the clubhouse. He always wore a Yankees cap. 
He billed himself as, quote, the number one Yankee fan. And then when the Boston Red Sox were playing in the 2007 World Series when he was campaigning for president in New Hampshire, Rudy Giuliani suddenly announced he was rooting for the Red Sox. This is like being a Trump fan and announcing you are rooting for democracy. But I went back with Rudy Giuliani even longer than that. In 1995 or 1996, I was asked by the deputy mayor of New York City, Fran Reiter, and the staff of the Baseball Hall of Fame to travel from ESPN in Connecticut, literally to the steps of New York City Hall, to emcee an event for what must have been 35 members of the Baseball Hall of Fame, maybe the largest group of them ever assembled in one place in one moment in time. The deputy mayor approached me, and the mayor a few steps behind her on that gorgeous spring day. As she began to introduce us, she realized he had begun to wander off. Rudy? Rudy! She bellowed. He wandered back. Rudy, this is Keith Olbermann from ESPN. He's going to be the MC. You will have to introduce him after you speak. The mayor seemed to be having trouble focusing on me or anything else. I thought of the old joke, just just keep your eyes on the Olbermann in the middle. He extended a hand, missed mine, then recalibrated. As we shook hands, he grunted. The deputy mayor now roared at him. Brody, you have to introduce him. His name is Keith Olbermann from ESPN. He's the MC. Giuliani turned and looked at her like he'd never seen her before. He grunted again. Deputy Mayor Reiter now screamed at Rudy Giuliani. Repeat it to me! He looked at me, then he looked back at her, and he said, His name is Keith Alderman from ESPN. He's the MC." With annoyance, Reiter said, Thank you! And Giuliani smiled and wandered off again. And I half seriously thought, Did I just meet a body double? Is he a replicant? Is he a well-built robot? This can't be the actual mayor. Well, it was. I took my seat in the front row of the stage that had been built atop the city hall steps as the crowd gathered, and it was a good one, maybe three or four hundred people. The president of the Hall of Fame spoke first. The mayor sat next to me. Giuliani leaned in at one point and whispered to me, Your name is Keith Olbermann from ESPN. You're the MC. I talk. I introduce you. I said something encouraging, and he smiled broadly like a child who was about to get some candy. The president of the Baseball Hall of Fame wrapped up, introduced Giuliani, who bounced up to the stage and thanked him and got his name wrong. He then launched into a speech taking credit for the great weather and the terrific early season performance of the New York Yankees and the New York Mets and the Brooklyn Dodgers and the New York Giants who had moved out of New York in 1957. But if he had been mayor, then they wouldn't have moved out and New York would have the four teams it deserves. And look at all these great players. Let me now turn it over to a good friend of mine and a great baseball man. And he looked at me and he forgot everything. Silence titters of laughter from the crowd and finally he looked the other way behind him where the deputy mayor had her head in her hands rudy giuliani into a microphone that picked up everything he said said loudly what's his name who is he 
And then now the titters of laughter in the crowd turned to a little bit louder laughter, and some of the Hall of Fame players seated behind me gave me pats of consolation on my shoulder. Fran Ryder screamed, Keith Olbermann from ESPN, the MC, you repeated it to me! Giuliani turned back to the crowd as if there had been no way they could have heard or seen any of this, and he said, so let me turn it over to a good friend of mine and a great baseball man, Keith Obelman, our NC from ESPM. I just sat there. More laughs, more consolation from the players behind me. I can still hear the laugh of the late Detroit Tigers great Al Kaline rising above the others. Al later came over to commiserate. As I thought, should I get there and say, thank you, Mayor Dinkins? Or better yet, thank you, Mayor LaGuardia. I then concluded, no, I can't do that. I'm representing ESPN. I'm representing the Baseball Hall of Fame. As I thought that, he said it again. So now I got up and I told the crowd, sorry, I wasn't sure he meant me. So if you are saying to yourself, what on earth happened to Rudy Giuliani with that brown schwitz pouring down his face? I am saying to you, he has been this crazy for at least 30 years. You were just lucky enough to have not previously noticed. It is all true, or my name ain't Keith Obelman, our NC from ESPM. done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Countdown has come to you from the Vin Scully Studios at the Olbermann Broadcasting Empire here in New York. Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel arranged, produced, and performed most of our music. Mr. Chanel handled orchestration and keyboards. Mr. Ray was on the guitars, bass, and drums, and it was produced by TKO Brothers. Other music, including some other Beethoven work, was arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. Sports music is courtesy of ESPN Inc., and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, so we call it the Olbermann theme from ESPN 2. Our satirical and pithy musical comments are by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer today was Dennis Leary, and everything else was pretty much my fault. So that's countdown for this, the 1045th day since Dementia J. Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Convict him now while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow. Bulletins as the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it.
Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.